Gabby. The topic is cats, she says. <sighs> hey folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Dow. Hello and welcome everybody to episode 36 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. As always, with me, Kirsten, and with somebody else. And who's the somebody else? It's me, Lindsay. Hello. Hello. So, uh, where, where was I? I wasn't even anywhere yet. Lindsay, how are you today? I am very well, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit hungry. I apologise if you get some tummy rumbles ah. on the recording. Are you feeling Are you feeling all settled back in in England because you went to France last year? Oh, yes. Just... I did. I was in France. Yes, I am very much settled, thank you, mm. I think. <laughs> it was fun. I enjoyed it. France was good. Excellent. Yeah, I think, it, well, I was going to say England was good. <laughs> While I was living in England, England was pretty good. Um, which is, well, and our topic today is travel and learning a language in the country. So we'll come back to that a little bit later. But in the meantime, neither Lindsay nor me nor I are learning a language in the country of the language that we are learning. Um, because Lindsay, you're still learning Korean? I am indeed. How's it going? What's new? Oh, it's good fun. I've been uh, I've been learning a, a little bit about honorifics. I'm beginning to kind of go into that slightly. And I found a really amazing resource. It's called howtostudykorean.com. I'm pretty sure it's study is the word. Um, and so I've decided to go through kind of one a week in a lot of detail. So like last week, I, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I did. I tried to do like one a day, but just nothing was going in and it was kind of pointless. So I figured I'm just going to slow things down, go for one lesson on their website a week. And they've got a memorized, uh, memorized course as well. that's linked to that and kind of, you know, five words a day on there. And so I've now got into a really nice routine that fits really well. So, yeah, very happy. Excellent. Oh, it's, it's, I think it's really important for for anyone teaching themselves a language in particular to just go out and look for that structure. I sometimes feel like you, you may come in and sort of have some level of internal resistance to that because it feels very classroom and established and you sort of, this is already kind of, oh, I've already done this in my life and don't wanna, I don't want to go back to school. But equally, if you try and tackle something as complex and big as a foreign language, with so many moving parts, without any level of structure behind it, that's setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, and this is good. It just it gives me that structure, you know, because I spent a bit of time kind of playing around, mixing resources, trying different things, and now I've found what I'm looking for. So, uh, screw you, Bono. Get it? There's a U2 song called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. I found it. Boom, oh, boom. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What you're looking Sorry, for. that was a slightly obscure reference, but I went it, with it. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. That's <laughs> hey, that's funny. <laughs> Moving on. How's yeah. your Welsh? <laughs> How's my Welsh? Um, I had a week kind of a little bit off the wagon, I would say. I haven't been doing as much over the last week. I still watched my Welsh uh, drama, Beokel With. I still chatted with, I actually chatted more with my exchange partner on HelloTalk than I normally do. Um, just because, you know, we, we responded to each other quicker. Um, we were talking about various different things and about dictionaries, funny. Um, 
so I have kind of had a little bit of Welsh, like living Welsh around me, but I hadn't been moving on with say something in Welsh and I was feeling a bit, not stuck, but I was feeling a bit annoyed with myself that I'm still stuck on lesson 10. So yesterday I switched it back on. I went through the revision, the first 10 minutes of lesson 10 completely. I made like one mistake. So Yay. it's, yeah, nothing's fallen out of my brain, which is really reassuring. Um, and it just goes to show, you know, you can do a little bit less for a week and you won't instantly forget everything. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm halfway through episode 10, moving onwards. I've learned the numbers from one to, hmm, I've, I've learned the numbers theoretically from one till 20. If I do that thing where 11 means 10, one and 12 means 10, two. I'm and not... is that allowed? Are numbers quite complicated in Welsh? I think I've heard this. I um, I watched this YouTube video from from this guy, uh, who explained the numbers from one to twenty, and I wrote them in a notebook and I made them all pretty mm. and colourful. Um, so now I just need to look. So what I've written is you can say in deg, which is one ten, or you uh -huh. have to say in ardeg. Um, and then you can say diveg, or there's a different way of saying 12. But at that point, I already kind of lost the will to live. And I was like, I don't care if I sound stupid. I'm just going to say 210. Um, <sighs> but there is a reasoning by which I think you say now, now, which is nine, nine, nine for 18. And you know, like, like the French system oh. where 94 is like, like, yeah, yeah, four, yeah. four twenty, four twenty fourteen, four twenty Yeah, I think it has the potential to go into into such craziness. Oh my goodness! But you can get away with not doing that, I believe. I've noticed as well that Welsh has got um, the spoken Welsh, the kind of sort of almost like street Welsh, um, is a little bit. Some people regard it as not properly spoken. Oh, so, okay. yeah, I am is doing how you learn it now. But written, it's Rudwin. And some people say, well, if you're not learning Rudwin, you're not learning proper Welsh. Um, so oh. I'm, not, I'm not really learning proper Welsh because that's not the language that this system uses. But I think it's already so difficult when you go into a language and the first question it asks you is, do you want northern dialect or southern dialect? Um, yeah, and then to add, and you think, do I you want kind to... of think, whoa, hang on, I just want to learn Welsh, I like know. from the outset. You you just want you just want in, don't you? Correct. You want so it to be as easy as possible. I'm trying to not get mired in any of that at all, and instead mm. to just go, okay, I'm just you know, I'm I'm learning, I'm I'm just learning in this way, and I'm just going to keep it simple for now. And I think at a later stage, if people tell me like there's there's also the discussion of the, the Welsh word for like can be likio, easy. Or hoffi, yeah. which is more the traditional oh, root. Dwin hoffi moron. Dwin hoffi moron. I like carrots. Or yeah. Dwin hoffi coffee is, a, is what a lot of people Dwin like saying. Dwin hoffi coffee. Dwin hoffi coffee. And but my Welsh course say something in Welsh teaches you likio because they say oh it's a cognate it's easy to remember, and um, they don't use the word cognate but it is. And yeah. when I went to my Welsh community class there's a lady and she's sort of um i guess she'll she's retired so let's say she's in her 60s and she teaches welsh and she was say, talking about doing hoffy and that construction um the pattern and she said there is this word now called likio 
and people are using it and oh. I don't like this word at all do we them on hoffy liquor um like I don't like liquor and she really she did not like it like she was cringing over the word liquor so I don't know it feels like there's sort of two factions about Welsh and I'm trying to just stay out of it and just That's learn tricky, a word. Isn't it? And it gets to a point where you can't avoid it either. I feel like that actually with honorifics, because you've kind of got on a very basic level, kind of three different um, levels of, of formality. Um, and so even it applies to most words. So like the words hello and thank you, there are three different ways to say it. So right from yeah. the word go with something like you're in, you're, you're, you're thrust into this mm-hmm. and it's a bit like, whoa, hang on a minute. I just I just want to say hi to these people. <laughs> now I need to decide how formal I need to be. I need to learn these different ways. Which one am I going to pick? Blah. You know, I think right from the word go, there's, there is that aspect that you, 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 you sort of want to ignore because you want to get further. But you do, there comes a time you do kind of have to pay attention to it. That's where I am now. Mm. I've tried to sort of, you know, do as much as I can with being aware of it. And now I'm like, right, I need to, I need to uh, understand this now. Yes. Yeah. And similarly, when you are learning a language that's got the, you know, the kind of simpler um, pronoun system of the, the vu and tu in French and usted Mm -hmm. and tu and German has got z and du. So you've got a polite you and a, um, an informal you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, that's also quite tricky because your book will then go ahead and choose which one it uses and how people relate to each other and all that stuff and so I think my best advice there would literally just be don't get too hung up and just make a choice and go with it and you can it's actually easier than you think to course correct later once you've got patterns and all that stuff down I think it's I think as well uh, my advice would be it's better to sound more formal than informal does that make sense? Yeah, especially with something like Korean, where I think you could cause offence if you know if I said um, thank you to someone in the wrong way. I think I could be quite offensive. So I think it's better to sound more formal because people will know that you've learnt it as mm-hmm. a foreign language, mm-hmm. and then they can say, "Oh no, it's okay." Like with with French, you know, you'd always start by saying "vous." In Spanish, you'd always start with "usted," unless they're like you know the same sort of age as you or whatever, but generally you'd, you'd go with the more formal first until yeah. someone says oh you can call me too but it's do you remember thing, do you remember when yeah. we went to the language show live and yeah. you started the conversation with a spanish guy there in spanish mm-hmm. and went straight to the two because he was my age because he was your age more or less but because yeah. it was a professional environment my german brain mm-hmm. wanted to go and say z so oh, I, yeah. I remarked on that. I remember saying, oh, this is really surprising that you're saying too when you would be saying if if you were all Germans. And then later when we spoke to the French person at the yeah. same event, also same age as us, roughly. Um, oh, no. See, I felt that she was older than me. Oh, okay. But she addressed, yeah. us, she addressed us as vous as well. So there's the kind of internal language you know like this the socio-linguistic or the, the the kind of way of how each language uses it yeah absolutely yeah well yeah no err on the side of caution be more formal that's interesting that's such a that's such a british thing to do as well Lindsay. oh of course yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Sorry-o. laughs> but definitely one way or another just make a choice 
understand one thing correctly and then you can always pick up the other thing. And when it's something as as relatively simple as tu and vous, luckily that's quite easy to get your head around. Because, yeah. you know, you, you're, you're saying I anyway and she and you're using other pronouns, so it's just another pronoun. Um, it's not uh, like honorifics, I imagine, being a, a grammatical concept where you have to like pay it attention so hard. It changes everything. Pretty much everything, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, and also it depends on kind of where you are. I definitely, I certainly remember like the, the, the same environment and a Spanish guy that was straight to two and the French person was, was staying on vous. And yeah. I was thinking as a German, I would have also stuck with Z. I wouldn't have gone to do unless yeah. you actually go out of your way and remark about it. Yeah. Which in Germany, I think in German speaking environments, that's quite, that's quite common. I'm always on do terms with my students, you see. Ah. Unless I role play. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, we have some feedback, so let's go straight into the feedback section of the podcast. I wanted to give a shout out to a few people who have been really kindly, you know, sort of commenting, writing to us about the podcast. Keep them coming, guys, because there's always it's always really great to see and to know. <laughs> to me, it's always uh, it's so nice to know that people listen to us um, and respond. Um, we've had Julia Miller, or Julia Miller, I think she said her native language is Polish. Uh, she said, I really enjoy your podcast, and as a constant language learner, get this, Lindsay, Polish native, English pretty fluent, currently learning Italian, and in the future I would love to come back to other languages, which I had pretty communicative, le communicative level at, German, French, Spanish, and Russian, Russian being my worst one. So, wow. polyglotta, girl, well done! Uh, and she says she finds it really inspiring and great to listen to us and found us via Actual Fluency. So shout out to Actual Fluency there. Awesome. That's cool. I know. Really, really. Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you, Jonathan Huggins, who's been sort of popping up on Twitter a few times. I can't really um, pick a specific tweet to read. Reading yeah. tweet. Um, but just generally wanted to go, hiya. Um, thank you so much. And we've got a question as well to you and to me. Um, okay. Yeah. And oh, also a shout out to Tom who commented on the blog article um, and talked about sort of he was he was responding to the last podcast that we did, which was all about why learn a language, um, and was sort of saying, well, because something's difficult is not a reason not to try. But on the other hand, I don't learn languages because I don't have time, um, and more importantly, I don't really have a strong reason to do so. I don't, and I can't, due to a number of reasons, travel. I won't reach a professional level of proficiency in a language before I retire. It'll be a long, long, long time before I gain a good enough grasp of a language to read a novel or a magazine, newspaper, understand a TV show, understand a movie. So I just don't have the time to devote to that. Um, and I think that if you decide, look, this just isn't that important to me right now, I think that is the way to do it. If you're going to decide for any reason to not learn a language, I think the most valid reason you can give yourself is to just go, I'm not that bothered. You know? Yeah. Is that fair? You can't force it. No, exactly. And But equally, I think to, to, it feels a little, you know, don't discourage yourself by thinking the one when it finally pays off, uh, it won't pay off until I can read a whole novel because the journey is the joy. And I mean, I'm watching Welsh television. I don't care that the subtitles are on. I don't feel ashamed. And I, my joy is understanding five words in a row. 
um, and then being very excited about it. And every now and then I do pick up a new word, but it's, you know, it's about finding the joy in the journey rather than mm. waiting until you've reached a goal. Because with languages, that goal is so, that would, that would suck because the goal is so far away. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you very, very much for that feedback. I really, really appreciate it. Keep on coming, guys. Always, you can just comment on the blog articles at Fluent. You can tweet at us, LD Languages for Lindsay and Kirsten Hammes, H-A-M-M-E-S, for me. Um, and we have got a hashtag, so you don't have to at us at all. You can just go hashtag C-L-L-P and we'll see it as well. Right? Absolutely. Okie dokie. Okay. James asks the following question. Okay. I don't know why I'm building this up so much because it's really short. Why are you learning Korean and Welsh? And I think he means why why those language choices. So, mm. Lindsay, why are you learning Korean? Why am I learning Korean? So, the short answer is because Shannon said, do you want to learn Korean together? Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, why not? Um, but the, the longer answer, I guess, would be because for a while now, I have been interested in kind of Asian languages, in particular sort of East Asian, Southeast Asian languages um, after travel. I've not been to Korea yet. Growth mindset. <laughs> I've not been to Korea yet, but um, I do plan to go there in a couple of years time. But so I've, I've had that interest and I've, I've studied a bit of Mandarin. I studied a bit of Japanese and I figured that to kind of understand a bit of Korean and to understand a bit of the Korean language would be good to just be able to, I mean, you know, knowing two out of three, you can identify between three, but to just understand it a little bit, to kind of round off that, that trio, which I think quite often you can see it as a trio in terms of, you know, geography mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, and kind of, of to, just to understand and to see the differences between those three languages that very much from... Um, you know, perspective of someone who perhaps doesn't know that much about them. They just see it as like, wow, what is this? It would be very easy, I think, to confuse these these three languages in particular. So I, I quite like the idea of just having a, an understanding and seeing what is similar and seeing what is different. Because I've been surprised actually so far that between Japanese and Korean, there are a few things um, grammatically in particular that are a bit similar, which is interesting, which I wasn't expecting, I'll be honest. But no, I think my main reason is just pure curiosity and to understand something about um, a part of the world that I haven't yet been to but I do want to go to that I feel like has almost been neglected by me in that sense because I've I've studied the other two and I've been to China and Japan but I've not actually you know Korean was sort of there and just I didn't know anything so I wanted to know something. Mm. I like that. I, I think being driven by curiosity is is huge and it's it's really fascinating. Mm. And then there's also, I guess there's curiosity. Um, and then what I'm hearing is there is opportunity in the sense that you, the opportunity opened up to for one of your friends to be learning a Absolutely. language together with you. And that's so rare, yeah. right? That is really rare. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so it was, it was always something that I thought, yeah, I'd like to learn Korean one day, that, that inevitable sort of one day that you have attached to many languages I'm sure I know I do um and then the one day came so that's why that's why it's happening now mm. fascinating Fasc I, I really yeah no I genuinely think this, this is <laughs> this is super fascinating because you do kind of go why would somebody sitting in Milton Keynes learn Korean and do you feel 
Okay, here is a thing with with Welsh, or perhaps I, I don't want to go into the whole Welsh answer yet, but a uh, little question, kind of foreshadowing. That's what it's called. I was going to say shadow ahead, foreshadowing. Do you have you noticed more Korean in your in Milton Keynes in your kind of place of life in your life? Interesting question. No, and the reason I'm going to say no is because. I was very surprised. Um, I started learning Japanese a little bit before I moved here, but there's actually, when I moved here, it was like, oh, this is really interesting now, especially the last year when I was studying, because there's actually a lot of Japanese stuff going on in Milton Keynes. There's, there used to be quite a big population and a school, I think, as well, um, when, the, when the town was first built in like the 70s. <laughs> um, and there's a Japanese temple. There's a really cool Japanese restaurant. You know, there's, there's this element of surprising and unexpected you know uh kind of japanese-ness to the place so in terms of korean there's nothing that i found yet the closest korean restaurant is oxford okay oh wow yeah yeah no, that, that is so, far. so so in comparison you know there's there's nothing and i'm not really noticing it um but i guess this comes on to a little bit of what we're going to talk about today um i there's more Korean in my life now because I'm putting it there, right? So I'm noticing it in that sense. Like I'm watching Korean K-drama and stuff like this. So it's it's around me, but it's not around me. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm putting it in my inner circle, but where I actually am, there's nothing really. Mm, that's <clears> a shame, <throat> I suppose. That, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's easier, it can be easier to at least, I don't know, if you're learning Spanish, at least you can go and get some tapas, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, and something, yeah, and like, if you learn a language, like, at least for, for, you know, me or you where we are, you learn something like Spanish, you can go to Spain for like a £20 Ryanair flight, and you can go and practice in, in real life. Um, ah. You know, and so it's easier to do something with with a language that is closer, definitely. But I'm uh, I mean I'm enjoying that side of it. I'm enjoying that there isn't that feeling because you know what I've I found that my travel and language habits were never very closely linked. So you know I would learn something like like when I learned German, for example, I never travelled to Germany the whole time. It would have been so easy, but I just didn't. It just wasn't a priority. I was like, yeah, I've been to Germany. Mm-hmm, That's fine. Mm-hmm. Let's go to this other country. Let's go to the... Like, what's the... Like, oh, let's get to, like, I don't know, Macedonia. It's like, you know, I'll learn a little bit for, to get me around and to do be polite. But I don't then go into a huge... I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. But, yeah, so, so not having that feeling of, well... It's really close. I should make my holiday to this place. Is kind of takes a bit of pressure off in a way, I guess. Whereas well, for you, it's very different, right? You're I so was just thinking Wales. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you feel like every weekend you should be driving down to Wales to practice? Well, uh, no. Okay, and I'll, I'll <laughs> and I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, and first, I mean to answer your question, James. The reason I'm learning Welsh, and it's funny because a lot of people, I, I get this a lot. I, I, it is one of my first minority languages where I'm really seriously, I got why Russian when I did Russian, but at least there was kind of a sort of 
people jump to conclusions about Russian quicker than they jump to conclusions about Welsh. So they people yeah. then straight away went to, that is really hard. With Welsh, that doesn't really happen as quickly. With mm. Welsh, there is a real, why? Like, why the hell would you? Um, and I'll tell you why. Or sort of an aspect of why, I suppose. It's, I have lived in the UK, and the UK, you know, we've, mentioned this before, the UK is a foreign language, a foreign country to me, kind of a foreign language still, but most importantly is a foreign country to me and the UK has always been this place that is quite, especially England, England is a place that is so uh, monolingual, kind of a little bit wary of the, the foreign world and I read this BBC article this morning that I felt was infuriating. Um, it it was talking about the European Union and all that political stuff that's going on there. Um, but it was mm. talking about Germany and about how leaving the EU will mean freedom from, from Germany because Germany is getting so much stronger and blah, blah, blah. And I felt that the article really misunderstands the country that I, I know Germany to be. England is sort of England and has got like this one kind of relatively uniform space. Britain is kind of what you think that uniform space to also be. But they've got this whole bilingual bit tucked away in a corner. Like, actually, pretty much bilingual. Like, the UK has got a little bilingual country. And and it's like, it's like everybody forgot about it. And, you know, like, like, I don't know. It just feels like, oh, I remember the UK's got this bit. And... Every time I've been to Cardiff, every time I've been to various places, but definitely Cardiff, I was fascinated by even bilingual signage because you're in England, but everything's in bilingual. And it's it's just so exciting. There's something to me so amazing about I actually live in a country that is bilingual, except they kind of forgot about it. <laughs> you know, no, that's a really that's a really interesting point. And especially from you being like living here as not a native mm-hmm. it's really cool that you you recognize that because I think like you say there's you know as as a native English person or British person whichever way you know as a native English person I I see myself as just I don't know this is see I I kind of hate the country for like the complication of describing your nationality mm-hmm. um <laughs> like I see myself as English I see myself as British I see myself as European mm-hmm right but I see them in they're they're different to me and so I guess this is kind of what you've identified in that when I say I'm I I will say I'm English um or I'll say I'm more I think I say I'm English more so than I say I'm Mm -hmm. British and that's not an aspect of um like a lack of pride for for Britain as a whole unit or even I should say as the UK you know to include Northern Ireland as a whole correct it's just something that I know people will understand and you look at other languages like said about like you know sort of East Asia like in Chinese for example they'll say the word yin war and that literally is like England but they use that word to mean the UK and so a lot you know there's a lot of places in the world that don't understand this this um distinction and as well I think it's fair to say um, a lot of people in, I would say in England, more so than in Wales, Scotland or Northern Ireland, more so in England, that for the, this this distinction between, the, between these different parts of our country as a whole, as the United Kingdom, it's, it's quite often f- forgotten. Perhaps it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And when it comes to language, you're right. Like, I would never have thought of 
learning Welsh. Um, but now you say it, it's, it, it is something that perhaps I'd consider because I feel like, well, yeah, maybe I should because this is something that well, it... is the closest thing I have to, you know, even though I'm English, not Welsh, this is the closest thing I have to, to like a kind of bilingual nation. And of course, it, we, we have to mention here, you know, we've got things like Scots Gaelic, um, Cornish uh, Manx. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so it's like, you know, we have to sort of give them a, a hey, a hello, and just say, hey, we know you exist too. But it's, it's fair to say, I'm sure that Welsh is the the, the kind of, uh, the, the, I don't know if biggest is the correct word, maybe it is. Of, of, of that, of that it grouping is, of, of... It is in uh, terms of speakers. It is in terms of uh, active yeah. learners. It certainly is in terms of... This is sort of the second point. So, yes, for one, it's... I am a, an expat in Britain, and in a way, learning Welsh is a way of connecting even deeper with Britain than, than mm-hmm. I could in another that's way. Cool. And, you know, it's like like you say, that's, that's funny, because... So it comes down to the curiosity and the not learning about the place as yeah, well, right? Exactly. The same thing as you with Korean. That's really interesting. And my experience, though, has been yeah. that um, learning Welsh, Welsh is kind of all around me, but it's really invisible until until yeah. people sort of identify themselves. <laughs> so there are many, yeah. because Wales is actually just, um, you know, like politically speaking, there's no borders. There's no um, significant kind of yeah. restriction to why you wouldn't live in England. There's many Welsh people living in, in England here in my city. Um, so, but because they are British, just like everybody else is British, they don't really go around identifying as British as such. So it's sort of, opened up it really has it's like it's like something somebody said about outdoor swimming once because i like outdoor swimming um not like in the street but i mean in in rivers and places like that that when you Mm. look at a map normally there's roads going around lakes there's bridges going over lakes and you as somebody who swims in that lake are experiencing the map in a completely different way you are oh that's immersed i thought so you know you're you're in a completely different it's like you're you're deeper in and you're you just get a whole different you're closer yeah and when you do swim in a lake for example you just the fact that your head is basically down on the floor level you do you know you do look Mm -hmm. at things your perspective has completely changed and i feel like welch is sort of doing that to the world around me where suddenly there's like a different like a little back door that opens up and Oh, look, in Preston Library, there's people who meet every month to speak Welsh and learn Welsh to each other um, and speak to each other and, you know, teach and volunteer. And, oh, look, there's a lady who comes to my yoga who I was, you know, practicing my weather descriptions with the other day. Um, And it's just, it's literally like you look at the UK, the country you're in, and you look at what you thought you knew, and it's like going, oh, look, it's different than you thought. Um, And... That's it's awesome. really that. It's really that that is super fascinating about the Welsh language in particular. Um, and then there's a real aspect where I think because it has been a dying language and it's, it's a sort of language in revival, which doesn't happen a lot, yeah. is that yeah. its speakers and its teachers feel a real sense of mission. Um, and you, yeah. you feel part of a community very quickly because it's, you know, it's small and it's it just has a lot of stuff 
that is so different from any language I've learned before. That's nice. Mm, it's it's great. It's it's really great. So the Olchenvauer Camry, thank you, Wilds. It's you know you're doing well there. <laughs> it's, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> grateful. It it feels like a really cool. And yeah, no, it feels like a super British experience. <laughs> oh, that's really nice. So when people come to Britain, when they've they've been around, they've seen Big Ben, they've they've stood in a phone box and had their photo taken, they've had a fish and chips, they should head over to Wales and uh, get a bit Welsh in. Yes, I think that would be a wonderful thing to do. Or, or Scotland, nice. or even just Northern England, you know? Because <laughs> I live in Northern England and it's really difficult to convince anyone to ever come here. <laughs> I tell you why because of the M6 Oof. no thank is you that, oh, the, oh the motorway yeah it's Oof. the yeah it's the motorway that is slow <laughs> it's very it's slow, very slow. <laughs> uh, well you, you want German motorways then don't you so yeah James first of all thank you so much for your question I hope that answered your question and gave you some sort of talking points and points of our perspectives I guess especially as um, I'm totally going ahead with this polyglot word now. So yeah, no polyglot, no more guilt, um, no more bad associations. But as ladies who have learned several languages, um, and we sort of ticked the boxes, haven't we? Of like German, French, Spanish, been there, done that. And it's after after you've picked sort of maybe three, four, five big world languages. I do apologize, Arabic. I do apologize, Chinese, because um, I haven't looked at those yet. You kind of uh, you you kind of you at least I do. I feel like you you kind of get to play a little bit more. Yeah, you feel that curiosity to to be like, well, I know I can do this now. I know I can do this thing. So now, what can I do? It's, I guess it's like if you learn an instrument, and when you're at school, you learn. Oh my God, there's this amazing um, quote um, about the about Esperanto. Mm-hmm. And there's a company in the UK that teaches Esperanto in primary schools. Mm-hmm. And there's a line on their website. It says, "We teach children." to play the recorder, not to have a nation of recorder players, but to get them understanding the principles and the foundation of music. And that's their reason behind teaching Esperanto in primary schools. I think that's just so awesome. Like, and it's like that, right? You learn an instrument, you start off with like the recorder or whatever, then you learn the piano, the guitar. And then you think, oh, what else can I play? Oh, let's learn the, I don't know, harpsichord or (laughs) something quite bizarre and random. unique you know and and you kind of go off on your own little thing it's it's very similar in that sense to to music and yeah I think that's totally it absolutely is once you're kind of once you're in with language Mm. learning the the actual language choice is almost like a secondary consideration because you just know you can so you know you 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 know you can and so then yeah you decide right well what yeah Yeah. because you know that you know that the process isn't going to be it might it might be hard in the sense of you have to put work in, but it won't be difficult in the sense of oh, what is this? I don't understand. I can't do this. You know, it just gets easier. Yeah. So you do want to get more exotic. You want it to become more and more of a challenge each time. I agree. That's super fascinating. I really like I really like what you said about the the learning the recorder because I think also learning the recorder isn't necessarily the sexiest thing to start out with and in the same way learning say uh, French in school year seven isn't necessarily the kind of and by sexy I don't mean sexy in a in a sex way I mean sexy in a kind of attractive fascinating I'm gonna look really cool with this kind of way um and it's it's the same with learning the recorder, but maybe that's a good start to 
you know, maybe you're gonna come out of it knowing how, you know, knowing how to read music, or even knowing that there's like this thing called a note that is called G, and then you can yeah. take that knowledge into learning the next instrument where, you know, the, the basic principles you're already familiar with. So this kind of comes to this the real, um, not just motivation, but it occurs to me that this is at the heart of why many people who say have learned three foreign languages then quite often and quite quickly go ahead and end up with about don't know 13 <laughs> foreign yeah. languages you know this yes. is sort of the yeah. maybe the Richard Simcott or like the hyper polyglot um, as as the name might be you know like why and and maybe maybe just put a question to you. So you started out. How did you start out language learning? Did you start out because you had to? Um, well, no, but it would have happened eventually in school. So I started with French club in primary school, which wasn't compulsory; it was extracurricular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think at the time it, it wasn't. You know, no languages in primary school were compulsory at all. They are now, thank goodness. Um, but, you know, I, and I kept going. My parents would say each term when I had to sort of renew my place, they'd say, do you, do you still want to go to French? And I'd say yes, because we've got croissants and orange juice at the end of term. <laughs> so I kept going. We just, we had fun. We played Duck, Duck, Goose and we did some colouring in, you know, and it was it was an enjoyable thing. Um, and and I at the time, you feel like you're, well, at the time you're a kid, you don't really care about how much you're learning. But, you know, I, I learned bits like bonjour, merci, ça va. And you learn your set phrases and, mm-hmm. and you kind of, you feel very proud of those phrases that you have at that, at that young age. And then I found when I went to secondary school, when I went into year seven, which was sort of age 11, age 12, age 11 for me, August baby. Um, and it was like so boring for the first two years, year seven and eight, we were just in our form groups. So there was no differentiation. There was no uh, kind of like with, with something like maths or English, when you go in in terms of ability, generally, it was with French, it was just like, nope, you're in, you're all going to learn the same French at the same time. And it was a lot of people because it wasn't compulsory starting from scratch. So we would do things like, hello, how are you? Red, mm-hmm. blue, green, dog, cat, pig, etc. Right. And I'm like, I, I know this. And then I suddenly realized I know a lot more than I think, because you feel like, you can't speak the language, you know, you feel like, oh, I can't speak French, I'm learning French, I can't speak it, whatever. But then in year nine, that's when things really changed. So in year nine, what they did in my school was they changed things around and they um, they put us into ability groups. So yeah. I was in the top ability group for French um, because, I think solely because of the time I had in primary school, because if I hadn't had that, the year seven and eight would have taught me absolutely nothing. It was just, we had a our class just didn't care about French, you know, mm-hmm. quite rightly so, because they were being taught like four year olds would have been in primary school. Um, it was, a, you know, it's a mess. Um, hopefully now not as much as it was, but hey ho. And so in year nine, we were split into abilities. And all of a sudden, I was good at something. I was good at something unique that not everyone at school was good at. You know, I was good at other things. I played instruments and um, I was in top groups for for most subjects and things like that but you know I was um I wasn't like the best at anything and whereas with French I was actually I don't want to say I was the best but you know I was in the top kind of 10% of the class um and so it felt it felt like oh 
maybe this is something I'm good at. And I, I could just do it. I didn't have to think about it or put any effort in. Um, and I never really thought about other languages. I just thought I'm learning French because I have to. And when it came to picking GCSE, so towards the end of that year, um, Shakira happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Shakira kind of appeared. And it was like, oh, Shakira's cool. Wouldn't it be cool? And then I discovered like, oh, she she's from Colombia and she has albums in Spanish. Wouldn't it be cool to be able to know what she's saying? I'm sure I could learn Spanish. After all, I can learn French, right? And so it was this French that then, you know, this knowledge of French that then led me into believing, well, I can do it in this language. So there's no reason I can't learn this other language. So even back then, without even knowing it, I was just understanding that the process was the same. Yeah. You know, I had this heads up of how and what I would need. Um, and I just needed to transfer those skills to a different language. Yeah. And so, um, it, it, you know, and so for that summer, because um, my, my again, August baby, so in that summer, must have been, maybe it was in year eight, maybe it was the summer of, of kind of before going into year nine where we picked our GCSEs. And I asked for a Spanish dictionary and the Shakira album for my birthday. And it was it was Donde Están Las Ladrones, which is like the the Spanish album that came before her English album, um, Laundry Service. And so I would sit there with this lyric book and with my little tiny kind of gem Spanish dictionary. And I remember so vividly doing this, like at my grandparents' house on my birthday. And you know, I had our dinner, and everyone else is in the other room, just being normal people. Like, and I'm there in the kitchen, like trying to <laughs> my birthday, my own, trying to translate these words. But I loved it. I, I was just, I was so enthralled by the idea that I had this little dictionary now. I could, I could therefore understand what was in this music and what these words were that I was listening to. And that for me was a very powerful thing. Um, and of course I couldn't because this was a tiny gem dictionary and this was flipping Shakira who like, whose lyrics, even in English, you know, lucky that my breasts are small and humble so you don't confuse them with mountains. We're not talking like <laughs> level one stuff here. This is like, what? <laughs> so, you know, the, lyrics, the lyrics weren't exactly um, logical in that sense, but I was, just, I was just happy to be able to understand something and to decipher something. Yes. Uh, and so I picked it for GCSE. And so, but here was the, here was the catch. To do Spanish in my school at GCSE, you had to do French. That was the thing. I hear, this, I hear this so often, this, this sort of crazy prove. relationship. Yeah, you had to prove, you know, it was like, well, we don't, because I would have started Spanish, well, I did start Spanish from scratch at GCSE and do it in two years and complete the qualification in two years. Um, whereas with French, I'd had, and everyone else would have had the five years from year seven to year 11 in secondary school. Um and so they kind of feared that, well, you have to be good at languages to be good at this Spanish and to or, or German, which they actually in the end didn't offer because they just shoved everyone into the Spanish group because there wasn't enough oh. on, on both. Oh, yeah. yes. OK. Um, and so so I ended up having to do French to be able to do Spanish, which yeah. is what I really wanted to do. So it just kind of happened by fluke that I ended up with both of them. And then the same thing happened at A-level. When I then went on two years later to pick my A-levels, I thought, you know, I, I quite languages are quite useful. I'm quite good at them. I don't know what else I want to do specifically. I'm just going to keep going with these languages and drama. <laughs> and I'm going to start psychology, which I dropped after the year because I wanted to stick with the languages and drama, which was the, th the things I really loved. Um, 
and it just kind of then went on and I guess it wasn't until A levels that it became something that I realized oh I'm good at this and I'd love to learn more like where I went for A levels was a specific language specialist college place um, I, see, I see it was a school really it was a sixth form in a school um but that meant that we had a day that was dedicated to languages and we had people come in and teach us italian mandarin chinese sign language um you know all of these russian perhaps and it was this day and everyone thought oh i've got to do the stupid language day because it's a language college and we have to go around and blah but i was just like oh this is amazing and i i uh i didn't get the chance to do what i wanted to do i wanted to do the sign language but there was it was all completely booked up so i got italian and I was like, that's fine. It's going to be quite easy for me because, you know, Spanish and French. And you mm. get told all the time similar, similar languages. Um, and that was, you know, that was my first exposure to Italian on that day. And then they started a Mandarin Chinese club. So I went to Chinese club after school. Um, and that was for a, a few months. So then I, I gradually got these, this very basic exposure to other languages from going to this place, um, this, this school that had this language specification and that was really powerful for me and that time I think that's when I really realized that this is what I love and this is I just want to do more <laughs> yeah so I mean I the, the thing I'm, I'm kind of hearing that that I find I find really um I find a, a real theme there is that you you kind of um and this is almost like how a how a speaker of many languages is made, you know, how a multilingual person is made, is that you mentioned when you looked at, you know, when you when you went on to to do more French after doing a little bit of French in primary school, you kind of came in with an attitude of, oh, okay, I can do this, I sort of know this. Then when Spanish came along, you sort of went, I can do this because I can do this other thing. And yeah. then, and then moving to language college, then eventually you just open yourself up to not just I can do, I can probably do this because I can do this other thing, but not even having to give a reason anymore. Just kind of being completely open to, of course I can do this. You yeah. know, because there isn't and even then just, just I've never done it. an issue. Yeah, then yeah. you just become the kind of person who can do that thing because that thing isn't difficult anymore. Um, or also, you you just. And this is perhaps the difference between somebody who has not learned a foreign language before, um, and especially many Welsh learners are in that position where maybe, or they just haven't had a success experience with a language before, as in they, they didn't have that feeling of, um, I can understand this, and oh, I'm going to get the dictionary out, and I just want to see see what I can find. Um, and instead kind of felt a little bit more... Uh, intimidated and discouraged and didn't mm. have you know had the negative experiences and I feel that that is a difference between for example how I'm learning Welsh which is also that kind of thing of well I'm just gonna give it a go and I'm just here to talk and I'm just here to try and if I get it wrong it doesn't matter and somebody who hasn't really done language learning before and perhaps is in an environment where suddenly they got a job that they really like but they're suddenly in an office where half staff is bilingual and speak Welsh to each other and there's mm. a real kind of emphasis on adults learning Welsh you mm. you know and you're and you're scared and you're because it's so unfamiliar because it's so so unfamiliar and you just you just never had that experience so it's really how do we foster, um, I like the word foster when it comes to education, I don't know why, <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
I don't know, how do we, how do we like develop or how do we like build a little nest so that people are more, you know, like th that connection of, well, you, you managed to do this. So of course you're going to be able to do this next thing. There's no, it's not, it's not harder. Um, yeah. And in a I, way, I think, you know, you kind yeah, of sorry. almost want to say to people, you can speak English. Yeah. There is so and much. I, and I always do. I always go down that line. But yeah. In, in reality, it's a different process, isn't it? Let's be honest. Well, like, there's speak, cognition you, and there is. There's, there's similarities, hmm. but, but learning your first language that, that you learn kind of. It's different. Yes. Uh, it is different. Um, but I think the thing and the thing with the recorder, I love this so much because I feel like a lot of the time and I feel like hopefully, <clears throat> sorry, I feel like hopefully this will change. Now that languages are compulsory in primary school, at least in the UK, I feel this is a real positive step in the right direction. Um, there's a lot of relatively positive press about language learning, about it's still seen as this, oh my God, you speak another language kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, which is a good thing because people want to, um, they want to feel that way about themselves, right? So people will still want to do it, although sometimes it can be negative because then people think, well, I'm not that person, so I can't do it. You know, two sides to every coin. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's, there's still the sort of bad press of, oh, but less people are studying languages at university. Oh, less people are doing languages at GCSE and A-level now. But I think that actually, in terms of the university level, I don't think it matters as much as the... The, 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 the sort of the press and the way the stories are portrayed would like you to believe. I feel like now more than ever, it's so possible to learn a language on your own. Mm. And also I feel yeah. that, you know what you were saying before about the, the, the process of learning your native language being, yeah. let's say English, isn't the same as the process of learning any other language. I think that's why people always think they've missed the bus and they, they need to be a child. Yeah. Because yeah. because if that's the only language you've ever learned, you're right. And I, I still think there is there is much, much similarity. Um as in well, you're a young, you're a human, you can put things in code and you can interpret what yeah. other people are saying. You know you know those French people over there? That's what they're doing too, actually. It's kind of yeah. it's all the same thing. Um and I really I wish I wish we could remove the kind of fear and apprehension and get people to that stage where where they'll just play and yeah maybe i don't know i feel like i need an alarm when when i say something nice about duolingo because everybody expects me to hate it so much i don't it's not really that maybe that is a that one of the real credits of duolingo that they've made it into basically a smartphone game oh and yeah i mean this is something i, I do feel is very powerful with with something like Duolingo Memorize, mm. where the sort of gamification of, of things like this, that things that are seen as a very positive um, thing to achieve, but a very difficult and hard and arduous task to achieve, when you when you take away the difficult bit from that, it then becomes something positive that's in the form of a game and becomes kind of quote unquote easy, right? Um, and then, actually, I think that's so powerful and it's so necessary to encourage people to learn a language. And even if, um, you know, of course, you can't learn everything that you're going to want or need to know with one app. 
Mm-hmm. You, you you just can't, you know. Um, but it's such a powerful way to start, to give people that feeling of, oh, I can do this. The same thing that I had with, with French way back, you know, in, in primary school, where I'd go home and I'd, I'd go, you know, we'd go to France on holiday and I'd go and order a baguette. That's that thing of, oh, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. It's that same feeling. And to give people that feeling whatever means but you know especially something that gamifies it like an app is is but it's it's so low powerful. it's low stakes isn't it because you're just playing um and i feel yeah. that any kind of you know like all those polyglots that you you look at out there all those like um people and i guess you know like Lindsay and me included you know like all of us who sort of speak five plus languages and dedicated our whole lives to language learning to an extent um the, I think the reason we keep just going, the reason we keep picking up new languages and trying and stuff is because we're playing, is because there's a real enjoyment coming from it, rather yeah. than rather than putting a big pressure on ourselves and, and believing that it needs to go to a certain, you know, level. Um, that's, I love that. I love that idea of playing because that's how I feel right now, like, when when kind of when I initially saw James's question of like why am I learning Korean and I was like I don't know really mm-hmm. like when I think about it, and it's like because Shannon asked me to and it's it's a new language that I'm curious about that yeah. I don't know anything about so you know languages for me it's it's just a way to learn about the world in a a way that I find fun that I find enjoyable it is like play you know it's tough because it's tough because when somebody asks you why you're doing it, you feel like you should have this like speech prepared, right? This big reason. Um, Absolutely. And I, I feel this is something actually I do mention this in successful self-study because I yeah. feel like it's something that comes up when people will say, oh, why are you doing that? Why are you learning Welsh? Why are you learning Korean? And you do have to have something um, prepared. You know, not like a mega speech, but you do have to have a few sort of almost bullet points. Um, that you know why because otherwise if people are constantly saying to you why are you doing that why are you doing that why are you doing that you're going to then question yourself yes absolutely which is a dangerous place to be because then you think well actually yeah why am I doing this maybe I should be better off doing something else with my time massively oh my god that this is this is the thing is that you you're so right that the more people will ask you that kind of why question the more you kind of eventually go well, why actually? Well, why? <laughs> You're like, why, yeah, yeah, why yeah. do I bother? Why do I learn a foreign yeah. language? And and then I think, and that's when it sort of becomes uh, difficult because then you're going out looking for a crazy reason, um, or not a crazy reason, but you know, you're going out looking for a validation. Um, yeah. You're going out looking for something like, well, because uh, uh, statistics show that blah, 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 or because it makes my brain yeah. better or something like that. And then you've made yourself... You've built you've built yourself like a hoop to jump through, and then you've got to jump through the hoop, and then you feel bad that you're not jumping through the hoop that you didn't want to jump through in the first place because no. you were just playing, and that's okay, and that's cool. Jesus, yeah. this is tough. But so so that's that's really, you know, like you we feel we feel that when people ask us why that 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 it's it's questioning, it's you know like we feel like I'm just playing or I'm just curious or that's just the type of person I am is is not a valid reason anymore when you think back to say i'm thinking jane austen time or something like that um a person would be considered accomplished um and 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 kind of going by what what they've learned right so you you could almost say well i am making myself more accomplished by learning welsh um Mm. but even that now that i'm saying it 
creates, you're creating a standard for yourself that now you have to maintain. You've actually put pressure on yourself because now I've got to be accomplished. If I say I'm learning, I'm learning Welsh for no other reason than to be more accomplished. Uh, now I've got to be an accomplished person. Damn. What does that mean? Oh God, (laughs) I have to take up stitching. Um, and you know, I got to do my needlework or God knows what. And you know, like it's so quickly done. I don't think we notice how easily this happens. So the valid and invalid reasons, it's not even a debate. It's, I think you're so, you're so right that you do need to have a little speech prepared and and all that stuff. But, and and we're going back in a way, we're almost going back to why you're a vegetarian. If you say I'm a vegetarian for ethical reasons, suddenly you've got to make sure you're an ethical person, otherwise you've lied. Um. yeah <laughs> yeah it's tricky but we should say like at this point I feel like we should say thank you to James for the question for prompting this episode absolutely absolutely yeah. so like th- it's not it's James. not like a bad thing that James has asked this question no I'm I'm absolutely yeah. fascinated with where the answers yeah. have led us and um I want to you know we'll we'll bring we'll bring the show to an end um I guess now <laughs> as good a time as any and I hope that you the listener have enjoyed coming along on this journey with us and exploring the the reasons and the sense and sensibility of language learning beginnings I guess before you even commit before you even have that thought it's how high do you set your standard how high do you set your stakes and I think yeah. it's a fitting it's a fitting episode after the one that we had recently, which was episode thirty four where we talked about different excuses and different reasons to not learn a language and how to you know like we we did our best to uh bust a few myths around the the start of language learning and I think it's only fitting that we're here now saying that if you want to learn a language just because you want to learn a language, that's cool, and what that also means is if you want to learn a different language next week, still cool, yeah. Absolutely. It's so, all cool. Yeah, own it. Own own your own Do what you want. Your don't do drugs or steal, kids. No. <laughs> don't do drugs. No joyriding. Um nope. and and that is that. And with that um being said, I guess all that remains for us to say is is goodbye and thank you guys so so much for uh being on the podcast. I promise the next one is going to be ever so slightly more structured. Um but like I said, I hope you enjoyed the kind of thoughts that this centers on and the different thoughts about being good at something and doing more of that thing that you already know you're good at and how easy you can make that for yourself and how you can use that in your language learning so thank you so much Lindsay and I think we're we're doing the university challenge thing now it is goodbye from me goodbye and goodbye from Lindsay adios Adios. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N-H-A-M-M-E-S.